Ladies and gentlemen, in the blue corner, standing at a sleek 5'11", 245 pounds, the tumultuous tempest of technique, Thomas Lilly. And in the red corner, at a curvaceous 5'11", 315 pounds, the jovial juggernaut of judgment, John Cheryl Sheridan. A meeting of the masters of mastication turn your attention as they delve deep into all things lifting and more. This is Peak Speak. And we're back with exciting news. Yes, we are now professional. We have a sponsor for the show, which is awesome for us, but even more awesome for you. Indeed, because who doesn't love a sweet, sweet online shopping discount code? And in this case, it's an online shopping discount code that gets you delicious coffee delivered to your doorstep. From our good friends, Prism Coffee, who are four Canberra lads who I've known for a while. Uh, who've all worked in and around the specialty coffee industry for some time now and now uh, out on their own they've got a roaster they're roasting beans uh, and just generally kicking ass with delicious coffee so john how do the people get this amazing <laughs> discount you speak of go to their website which is prismcoffee.com.au pick from the couple of different blends and some single origins that they've got you can get it ground you can get it in whole beans if you prefer to grind your own they've got all of the options uh, and then you use the code PeakSpeakCoffee in the discount bit of the shopping cart and uh, you'll get a sneaky 10% off and it'll rock up on your doorstep in some amount of time I don't remember exactly what it is but I think they express post everything so hopefully quickly perfect amazing well, and that's it. Without further ado, here's the episode. Yeah. Presented Enjoy. by Thomas Lilly and John Sarah and Baby Cry in the Background, not included. We are back. We are indeed. Peak speak. Welcome. We love yes. you. We do. We very much do. We're <clears throat> very close to hitting our 100,000 downloads mark, which means we love you even more because we're hitting an arbitrary downloads number that means almost nothing, but it's cool. Exactly. Exactly. I'm all about arbitrary numbers that mean nothing. That's why I got into powerlifting. <laughs> I remember listening. I can't remember who it was, but someone on like one of the bigger podcasts. Um, so like was, any of them other than ours. Yeah. <laughs> was well, like I think it was on Joe Rogan. Um, he had someone <laughs> the on. The biggest podcast. Who, he had someone on who also had a podcast. And he's like, uh, my podcast is really small compared to yours. And he's like, oh yeah, what, what sort of downloads are you getting? He's like, I don't know, maybe like. 100 200,000 uh, downloads per episode. He's like, "Yeah, that's all right." <laughs> we're like <laughs> we're fighting hard to get to 100,000 downloads. Yeah, our most downloaded episode we just checked has just Don't under 2,000 downloads. Oh, I think hey. that's I you know, you got to start from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> and it has maybe got a little bit better in that time, but not a whole lot. Yeah, I mean, well, we're hitting the big time now that we've we've got like a uh, payment arrangement going. Yep. Yeah. We uh we've got a, a fancy coffee sponsor, which is that's right a nice place to be for caffeine addicted people like you and I. Exactly. Speaking of which, so I'm new to this, and I know you got asked this. I asked you the first time before we started getting the coffee. I'm like. Well, what machine did you need? Yeah. Yeah. How, how the fuck do I even make this stuff? <laughs> um, 
Like it's it's so foreign from putting a pot in a machine and pressing a button. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a different ball game for sure. So what do you what do you use? Yeah, so I yeah I got this question the other day. Someone sent it to me on Instagram, uh, and he specified like not breaking the bank, which my machine very much has not. Uh, I have a Sunbeam Mini Barista, which is like the Sunbeam's basic. Uh, entry-level espresso machine it's like 300 bucks or so i think i got it for a bit less than that Mm -hmm. uh the only thing i've done to it is i swapped out the single the dual wall filter basket for a single wall filter basket Uh, so it's the you know the little basket that goes in the handle uh that machine comes with one that's like a basket sitting in a, a smaller basket that uh does something to the crema i don't quite understand because i never did enough research but the advice was just swap it for a single wall basket i spent like 12 dollars or something buying it from a second hand uh, not a second hand from a like parts dealer and it was sweet and other than that for 300 bucks i i haven't had an issue with it at all um it takes a bit of finesse like anything and uh you know when i when we finally like redo our kitchen at some point, my I've already flagged with my girlfriend that I intend to spend <laughs> a ludicrous amount of money on a coffee machine uh, and have it like plumbed into our water supply and do it all really properly because like a commercial grade machine is a different ball game altogether. There's yeah. a company in Melbourne, I think it is called uh, what is it? Spect. Let me just look it up. Um, yeah, Spect, S P E C T C H T Design. They he like uh, refits commercial machines, and they're fucking gorgeous. Like they are a refits piece of, them as in like yeah, takes like a he, commercial machine and puts it in someone's house. No, like uh, puts. So he does it with like Slayer and uh, what's the other one he uses? Uh, the Lamazoco. There's a couple of like single group home size machines, like they're one handle, but they're commercial quality. And yeah. he reskins them with like hand carved wood pieces. And oh. I'll send you a link to some of They're fucking gorgeous, yeah, man. Like nice. they, but they're like, they retail at five plus thousand dollars each. Yeah. Um, which I'm not opposed to spending on a coffee machine that mm. will last me for the rest of my life. Uh, I've just got to, you know, earn all my bulk cash through my sick powerlifting business before i go down that road yeah <laughs> uh what are you what are you using because you ended up getting something different didn't you yeah i got a pretty pretty whiz bang uh like a two thousand dollar machine don't get excited because uh anyone who knows me knows that i like the finer things but i do not like the price of the finer yeah. things so i certainly didn't pay anywhere near that much for it just because i've got a, a got a, a guy that's well, the best the part about owning a gym. Best part about owning a gym. Have you a have guy a, for everything. Have a manager of a white goods retailer that gets a super duper manager discount of like this particular line of which it was the last machine left. Yeah, nice. Uh, works out perfectly. Yeah, man. It's, that's it's like the people best. people walk into like the new Southside gym, which is full of brand new Alico stuff. They're like, wow, yeah, those plates are like, how much do they retail for? I, I always say the same thing. I'm like, well, in Australia, they're $15 a kilo. <laughs> Yeah. So people think, oh, wow, he spent $15 a kilo. No. <laughs> nope. No. It's all about knowing the right guy. <laughs> That's right. Speaking That's of right. which, if you need some coffee for your fancy coffee machine, head to our good friends, Prism Coffee Company. That's uh, prismcoffeeco.com.au. Uh, use the code PEAKSPEAKCOFFEE, all one word, and you'll get some sweet discounts on some delicious coffee delivered to your door. Side note. 
We should contact Prism and ask them to change the code to just PeakSpeak. Yeah. So many letters. Yeah, it is. Uh, and I'm not opposed to that. I might just send them a message right now. <laughs> we'll make it make it easier for everyone because uh, not to insult our listenership, but <laughs> to insult the broader powerlifting community. Words, words not good. Words not strong. Uh, Lift strong. Muscle uh-huh. strong. Word not strong. So less words is better. Yeah. Okay. Opinion. I'll 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 sort something out. For now, keep using Peak Speak Coffee, and uh, we'll confirm I'm on our next you're episode. Talking, but you've completely frozen, so I'm gonna. Oh, you've frozen too. Now I've got you back. Can you hear me again? Yeah, I got you back. Aha! Technology. Whoa. No. Um. So, what are we talking about today, Thomas? Now that we've done our due diligence. Oh, this is going to be the most botched episode ever. Is it though? We've done some pretty dodgy episodes. No, I mean botched just because of the whatever the fuck is going on with this internet. Mine seems alright on my end. Yeah, well, mine, my mine's alright on my end, so it must be your end. <clears throat> Let's just blame Zoom. Zoom is the like it's so great, but it's so bad. Yeah, well. That's just because the Chinese government has been using it to spy on us the whole time. So, obviously, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you can learn all my powerlifting secrets all you want. There's I'm, no secrets. I'm curious as to what the business landscape in the in the bigger, broader sense is going to look like now that COVID's happened. Like in the sense that you know, so many companies have sent people to work from home and realized, hey, you know, we don't actually need to spend. $15,000 a month on this office space. Yeah. We could probably do without. I wonder what's going to happen, like the broader effects of that, whether many companies are going to shift to a model where it's more people working from home more often. Um, yeah, just- it'll, it'll certainly be interesting. I would hope they do. I know that there are a lot of people who've done well working from home. It's not easy though. I, and I think a lot of people would find the novelty wears off pretty quickly and it's then about actually having a routine and, and doing all that sort of stuff the problem i've seen in close friends of mine who work in government departments and the like is at a certain point they seem to measure uh productivity and contribution by attendance not necessarily by any actual objective measure which makes mm-hmm. it hard. So if your business isn't set up to be able to have people do self-directed work and stuff like that, I would imagine it's hard. Um, but also I own a powerlifting gym, so it's not like I have a lot of business <laughs> experience and can't necessarily comment. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I uh, don't want to talk about that any further because one of my pet peeves is people talking on Facebook at the moment about COVID and public health subjects of which they know very little, but are happy to voice extreme and uh, final opinions on. Yeah. Yeah. Just let's let people who are qualified about things in areas talk about those things in those areas. Speaking of which, what are we going to talk about today, Thomas? Yeah. Well, I think we should talk about deadlifts and now that we've got everyone's attention, let's talk about bench. (laughs) smooth as butter my friend i love it yeah i mean bench is kind of like ipf presidents in australia (laughs) everyone hates them no one wants to deal with them but if you're going to do powerlifting they kind of have to exist oh my god so (laughs) that's lighthearted, by the way uh (laughs) kind of lighthearted. 
<laughs> so we're going to talk about... Uh, I'd hide it from a really vindictive place. We're going to talk about uh, all things bench press. Yes. Um, uh, I, I guess the best place to start is um, talking about technique, talking about uh, the finer things that come with technique, maybe some of the, um, the overlooked points, um, the common mistakes when it comes to benching. Um, because it is... Of the three lifts, I would deem it to be... Uh, the most technically demanding, the the highest skill level required. Yeah. Um, beneath that, I'd put sumo deadlifts, then squatting, um, and then conventional deadlifts below that. Yep, I think that's a pretty reasonable hierarchy. Uh, and a, a big part of it is because of how unnatural it is. Yeah. Um, even though the way that we squat, the way that we deadlift is very unnatural compared to human movement. Lots of people argue, okay, well, this is, we do the squat like movement, the deadlift like movement in day-to-day life, which we kind of do, but nowhere near to the level of, uh, skill and attention that we do when we're lifting weights. Yeah. But it is kind of similar, uh, sorry, kind of, kind of, uh, not foreign to us compared to bench. Like, there's no situation in your life where you have to lie down on your back, arch your back, pull your feet underneath you, squeeze your shoulders back and then push something heavy away. It's not like yeah. there's just no circumstance where you do that. So there's, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's just this higher level of skill and coordination required, um, that makes it quite a challenging movement. Yeah, I um the way I often describe that sort of hierarchy to people is that well, like a conventional deadlift is pretty simple for most people because you've been bending over and picking shit up off the ground your whole life. Mm. Most people haven't been doing a, like a full squatting like movement for a little while, especially if they're you know the typical person that walks into a gym like ours, which is sort of you know mid twenties plus who has some experience in a gym but also works a desk job you know you, you probably haven't spent a lot of time coordinating all of those things and yeah bench press is just super foreign it's mm. it's a weird and oddly executed exercise that is definitely obviously part of our sport but it's something that i've certainly in my training of people who aren't power lifters uh moved away from a little bit not the bench press movement, but the barbell bench press taught to the same extent that I would teach a, an actual power lifter because it's just not as necessary. The, the, like with you know Olympic lifting or something like that, the, the nuance in the technique of spending time refining that, I think increasingly my, my sort of coaching philosophy moves towards that being an unnecessary time constraint on training for anyone who isn't a power lifter. Mm. You can still bench press. If you like bench pressing, bench press is fine. Um, maybe you don't have to put quite the same effort into being perfect in, in a technical standpoint as someone whose sport involves one rep maxes. Um, but yeah, a lot of very inexperienced people really struggle with that versus say like a push up or something that's a bit more natural because their hands are connected with something and they're mm-hmm. stable and they're moving their body rather than the other way around. I think that's where a lot of people lose the the understanding of where they are in space is because you're in this really weird spot where your hands are floating free in space with the implement in your hands but then you have to create all of that stability external to that mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's that's going to be probably the cornerstone of bench press and one of the most challenging things of bench press um is going to be what, what do you do with your shoulders yeah so for me and in, in in my model of teaching i uh, i operate in a system that has three rules in each lift uh, when i say rules what i'm talking about is what i call biomechanical rules which is like 
even though you and I are different shapes and sizes, uh, you're a human animal. I'm a human abnormal animal. You have shoulders. Like I have an shoulders. Animal. Yeah. Yeah. Beast. Um, <laughs> you have shoulders. I have shoulders. You have hips. I have hips. We're the yep. same animal and we're doing the same movement. So within that movement, there's certain biomechanical rules or principles that apply to everyone. Yeah. Uh, rule number one for me in any of the three lifts is always, where does the power come from in bench press, where the power comes from primarily the pressing muscles. So in this case, it's going to be majorly your pecs and secondarily your triceps, a little bit of doubt, but not very much. Uh, so pecs and triceps, we're trying to put in positions where we can do the most work. Uh, in order for us to do that, we got to think about like uh, a deadlift jack or a lever arm on a combo rack or a bench press. Uh, when you operate that system, when you hook a deadlift jack under the bar and you pull on the bar, you can pick up 300 kilos with one hand because of the advantage of leverage. You imagine if that connection point at the base of the deadlift jack was broken or loose. When you pull on that, all the power is going to get lost in that slack. So coming back to the body, the pec's job is to lever the arm across the body. That assumes that the point it's levering from is fixed. That is, it assumes that your shoulder is fixed. Your shoulder is not fixed. Your shoulder can move around and wobble around, right? So rule number one is really how do we fix our shoulders so we can maximize the pressing advantage that we can get from those muscles. This is where, and in my opinion, bench press becomes really difficult. So uh, in my opinion, across the coaching board, I would say that this is the hardest thing to coach and that this is the hardest thing to learn as a lifter is what to do with your shoulders. And it's not hard in, in concept. It's hard because your shoulder is a very complicated joint compared yep. to something like your hips, which is, you know, a <clears> ball and <throat> socket where the ball is one piece, the socket is one piece, the shoulder, the socket is uh, several pieces joining together. And there's a lot more function. The socket for a start is shallower. Um, there are a lot more things connecting into those pieces that makes the shoulder far more functional. There's far more range. There's far more control required. Yeah. Um, so it's not as simple as, yeah, pull your shoulders back and down. That's really nice. And that is what we're trying to achieve. Uh, but now we have this myriad of extra factors in the sense that each of those factors, scapular retraction, depression, anti-tilt, external internal rotation of the shoulder, and now can all be separated independently. And if there is a skew in one of those things in the entire relationship, it can throw off the whole system. So where it becomes complicated is like, how do we start to rationalize where exactly your shoulders should be? And then once we understand that, how do we start to problem solve and reverse from that? That makes it sound scarier than what it actually yeah. is. But this is part and parcel of why people seem to have a hard time figuring out how to bench or figuring out how to progress their bench. It often stems back to this central issue. Yeah, I've um, that the socket description is a really interesting one of the difference between a hip and a um a shoulder i often describe it to people as the hip is like a ball in socket whereas your shoulder is more like a ball on socket and that's mm -hmm. what gives it the increase in mobility like it's the most mobile joint we have in our body but it also then add a compromise to that is the least stable when it comes to being able to resist change to position like that which is what makes the bench press so unnatural is the the sort of natural rhythm that your shoulder is supposed to move through is being artificially constrained because that's how you create that power position, right? That's how you create the leverage. You have to be able to essentially turn off part of the function of your shoulder, which is not a good description because that's not actually what you're doing, but you're, hmm. well, you're deliberately you're fixing a part of it. Yeah, yeah, fixing the part of it in order to... Um, 
to create that leverage, which is so unnatural for people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, and that's a perfect description. You think about like um, we talk about these terms like scapular retraction, depression, or shoulders back and down. You, you guys are all familiar with that because it's so common in the teaching. And if you follow uh, people like you know Sebastian Orb, who who spits this stuff out all the time, is always talking about his technique on bench press. Uh, everyone's familiar with the fact that that should be a, a fixed point or a fixed uh, entity in the in the bench press. You think about natural human movement like you were just describing as you pull your arm behind you as you pull your shoulder into extension your scapula is supposed to retract with it we're telling ourselves don't do that yet keep your arm out in front of you keep your shoulder in a relatively flex flex position and then independently pull your scapula into retraction and just keep it there yeah and not only just keep it there while you're going through the natural pathway of your shoulder going into extension but keep it there while you're pressing up as well yeah. and it's like we're telling ourselves to press where our shoulder should go into protraction uh, but we're still telling it to stay back it's yeah. such a weird thing and not only that is we especially if you've got some prior gym experience you come into bench pressing or the powerlifting style of bench pressing with pressing strength that far exceeds your ability to retract against it so yeah. now separating and uh, differentiating between the two becomes super, super, super tough. And it's the thing, I, again, it's the thing that's the hardest to coach, the hardest to learn, and the longest thing to wrap your head around uh, when it comes to any of these uh, systems we talk about in lifting. So it just makes things uh, kind of tough. Yeah, and it also, I think the nature of the bench is that it's very complex because there's a lot of moving parts and it's so unnatural, but it also requires a really high degree of precision hmm. because it's actually like the shortest range of motion you're going to use in any of the lifts. It's the one where that minor shift at one point will have catastrophic uh, effects up or down the chain at some point in the movement very quickly. Like the the minutia of a little bit too far towards your feet or a little bit too far towards your heads. And, it, you know, this is obviously way more obvious when you're bench pressing in a bench shirt. Mm. Uh, but it, that just multiplies what's going on in in the rest of uh, the movement the or the technical demands of the rest of the movement. But in, like, say, the, the squat or the deadlift, you can get away with those little deviations by kind of muscling it back into position because you're not actually in a position that's super sort of non-functional dysfunctional that's neither of those are good words but uh you know what i mean like you're not in a position that is pass fail like a bench press like if you get a little bit out of position in a bench press suddenly you don't have the leverage to generate any of that force and you have no method of saving that there's no like use a slightly different muscular recruitment pattern to push you back into a, a good line you just miss it yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's not hard to work that out if you're trying to visualize this. Like imagine in a squat, you've got this massive base of support. Not only are your hips wide, uh, they're also, well, they're wide in two planes, right? They're wide yeah. from the side and they're wide from the and front. front and, back. Yeah. and then, you know, you've got this wide base of support in terms of your feet connected to the floor and everything's kind of stacked up on top of each other. When you're on the bench, you've got a very narrow base of support because your shoulders are relatively quite small. You're generally in a fairly functionally unstable position with your hands outside the width of like completely perpendicular to where your shoulders are yep. and your base of support your your connection to the floor is coming from your feet which is quite far away from where you are so like the the deviation from the 
a, a good uh, bar path or a good uh, center of gravity in a squat or a deadlift, you'll feel and you'll know about it, yeah. but it won't tax you as much as, as a bench press. And I mean, all of you who have benched before will, will resonate with this when you're doing something even like 50% of your max um, and you just touch a little bit too low. And then all of a sudden that weight, you're, you're not going to struggle with it. You're not going to have a hard time pressing it up, but you can feel, feel the difference. Yeah. yeah, you can feel how much relatively heavier it is. And that matter of a couple of millimeters when you've got a max weight in your hand is the is the difference between getting it and missing it. And like John said, in a bench shirt, no truer is this because you don't just miss a little bit. You miss in a very spectacular fashion. Yeah, man. I, um, I, I still credit my uh, equipped lifting time with a very significant portion of my understanding of how powerlifting movements work and the mm. technical proficiency required because it just magnifies it. Like equipped lifting done well is just the same as raw lifting. It's just way fucking harder and the consequences are ma- way more severe. I have mm. a very vivid memory of recently uh, one of the guys who's experimenting in a bench shirt and a squat suit at the moment at the gym. Uh, the first time he like missed a bench over his face, like just misgrooved it and the bar came out his face and I was spotting him and my fingers were, or my hands were millimeters away from the bar because I know what equipped benching's like. Mm. But in the the fraction of a second that it was between him realizing he's missed it <laughs> and the bar coming at his face and me taking it, like it was never going anywhere near him. We had the face saver set up, like it was a perfectly safe scenario the sheer terror in his <laughs> eyes i will like i'll never forget that look because it like he's a genuinely pretty calm dude he, he's got it all pretty well covered but the sheer terror in his eyes in that fraction of a second is priceless because you just you can't experience that in a raw bench i think in the same way because you're not handling super maximal loads like you are with an equipped bench mm. uh you know he's got at the time it was probably like 30 ish kilos over his raw max in his hands and suddenly you're in this position where you have no power not even like i have 80 percent of my power like you have zero power in a quit bench you go from yep sweet 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 got all the power <laughs> to oh fuck i have no power and no control and i'm gonna die yeah it's a it's a cruel cruel mistress but it'll teach you a lot about understanding how your bench technique should work yeah uh, <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the part about face savers because if there's a take home message and I don't want to sound oh, like yeah, a fucking, fucking concerned no. dad, but use the fucking face savers. And yeah, I've got a, I've got a story for this because if I didn't use face savers, I would 120% be dead right now. My yeah. second time ever using a slingshot. I oh, yeah. um, It wasn't the Mark Bell slingshot. It was a bench daddy. Uh, my second time ever using the bench daddy. Uh, I unracked. It was just me and Josiah in the gym. This is like when the gym had first opened. So this is like seven or eight years ago. And I think my raw max at the time was maybe 160-ish. And I had 190. uh, And I unracked. And I started, I just like broke at my elbows to start coming down. uh, And I, I hadn't brought the bar out far enough. So it was a little bit too far back. And as soon as I bent my elbows... My wrist Uh just folded back and the bar came straight down right over my eyes and landed a centimeter from my eyes. If the face savers weren't there, that would have just gone straight through my fucking skull. That would have been game over. It was at this point that he realized he (laughs) fucked up. (laughs) I didn't even, uh, uh, like it didn't register to me what the the kind of gravity of of what had just happened. So I just kind of crawled out and I was 
laughing. Just I was almost crying. Yeah, <laughs> it was would have so just had good. to watch his best friend die in the gym <laughs> from eating a fucking barbell. Yeah, the story I always use for face savers is the one that I don't know how true it is, but my understanding of the reason face savers became a mandatory thing in gpc was a story of a guy at worlds or euros in like the early 2010s or 2011 or something like that who was like suicide gripping a bench press and it slipped out of his hands hit him in the chest got up and walked away and then like died later that night from internal injuries yeah uh i don't know how true it is but it's a great way to scare people into using face savers appropriately yeah i mean people have died from yeah, you know, fucking getting, getting pinned under. It happened here in, in Brisbane. Like that was uh, a Smith maybe, machine, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. My understanding with that story was it was a Smith machine, and yeah, he, he got pinned got underneath pinned. it. Yeah, uh, it was pretty scary. Anyway, um, so what are, what are the sort of the most common mistakes that you see uh, with with bench? I think the first one is that uh, a lot of people actually just really struggle to feel the position that they're looking for with an empty bar like i find that especially for someone who's got a bit of strength and yeah and not like i'm not talking you know record breaking strength or anything like that but stronger than the average complete beginner who works in off the off the street is struggling to feel where they are in space without any real input so i actually mm-hmm. find spending a bit of time not necessarily playing with how they're they're working on things with an empty bar, but letting them do a couple of sets as I watch them warm up to just get a feel for where they're likely to fall apart. And it's pretty obvious once you've watched a few people bench, you can start to see the the common uh, breakdowns like they can't hold their shoulder position or they just have no concept of creating torque at the shoulder. Uh, But often with a little bit of weight, that can be improved without really trying. And I think for some people that's a a lack of conscious awareness of what they're doing bench pressing an empty bar like they're just not paying enough attention for other people i think it's they just can't feel where they are in space because it's such an unnatural position and they have no external feedback that helps them sort of register where everything is uh so often that's the first point i start is actually just to get them to put a little bit of weight on the bar and see what changes um because i think that generally gives you a pretty good idea of where they're going to fall apart after that Mm. Yeah, and because it is such a relatively unstable movement, uh, the addition of a, a bit of weight on the bar creates a bit more stability. It's, it stabilizes yeah. the system even more. Just like you know, think of you, uh, you as a listener um, starting to warm up for squats. Your squats with the empty bar feel like shit. You put a little bit of weight on, now you feel like you can squat. Yeah. It's a twofold thing. You've warmed up to the positions a little bit, but the weight on the bar is creating a more stable environment, and it's yeah. it's very much or, or even more so the case with with bench. Um, for, for me, I would have to say, like, there's, uh, I mean, there's too many problems to, to name. Yeah, I really yeah. want to go deep. But if I was to say something tangible that anyone can take away, it's like, yeah, let's talk about the whole shoulders back and down thing. The biggest issue that I find is that people uh, rationalize, understand that position. They don't have that hard a time of finding that position, but no one uh, seems to grasp the concept of that maintaining throughout the whole lift so setting it at the top think of it as like a and this is the case in any lift setting something at the top is the easy part 
everyone yeah. can do that holding yeah. it on the on the eccentric that's kind of hard but most people can do that holding it on the concentric is really fucking hard and that's always for me the difference between a good lifter and a great lifter like when you start to transcend from pretty good at technique to really good at technique is when you learn to hold the same position as you're creating power or transferring power yeah um and there's there's two major things that are going to change the way you think about bench when you wrap your head around this concept so one major thing is lockout strength uh, and fixing issues at lockout. So just three boards all day. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people like one, a really common failing point is is uh, failing at the lockout, right? And um, a lot of people will see themselves fail at lockout. Think, okay, well, uh, what is what muscles are failing me at this point? Well, it's my triceps. My triceps aren't straightening out my elbow, and it's just not the case. It's so far fetched. It just doesn't make any sense. So people immediately go to things like three board, like uh, you know, overloading the top end of the movement with reverse bands or slingshots. Or I find reverse um, bands and chains. <laughs> You can double up, yeah. accommodate all the resistance. Yeah, do, that means you have zero weight at the chest and a hundred percent of the weight at the top. It's the best. Do fifty sets of triceps a week. Like go ham on trying to strengthen their triceps. Miss the bigger picture and continue to blind themselves because they'll do that for eight months. Continue training for eight months. Add five kilos to the bench and be like, oh, I fixed triceps. The yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like no, you've just strengthened a shitty, shitty system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's like people talk about experience. I've got twenty years of experience. There's a difference between. 20 years of experience and one year of experience repeated 20 times yes you can strengthen a a shitty system so where is this failing point at the top coming from it's funny because people have really really come around to the idea that failing at the top of a deadlift is not because of a lack of lockout strength yes but it seems to be slow uh people don't seem to carry that over to, to bench as well the simplest way to think about it is if your triceps were not strong enough to lock out the weight how did you unrack and hold that thing at lockout in the first place? Yeah. Like exactly. you would have had a far, far harder time in doing that. And if your triceps were too weak, as soon as you bent your elbows, you would have dropped the bar onto your chest. Yeah. So it's probably not your triceps. It comes often or, or almost exclusively from this idea of like your shoulders popping out of position, you putting power into the bar and rather than the bar moving, your shoulders moving out and you losing the point of leverage. Exactly the same that you'd rationalize. You lose your position of your pelvis and your back in the deadlift and you can't lever your hips forward. So that's one major implication of not controlling your shoulders on the way up. And the other one that seems to be a really odd, mystified area of bench pressing that's actually relatively quite simple if you take a step back and think a a little bit outside of the box. And that's bar path when it comes to bench press. So many arguments as to whether the bar should go straight up and down, uh, should go on a diagonal line back, should go in like this J path where you push back and then push up. And I like an S. I like to go backwards and then forwards (laughs) and then backwards and then up. More like a five than an S. I like to draw a detailed self-portraits of my ass. Um, so just a giant circle and, just a lip, a pic- and ellipse, if you will. A picture of my face. It's exactly the same thing anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the the bar path thing is funny. The, the, the way the bar is going to travel and where the bar should end up should just be in a straight line from your chest to your shoulders being perpendicular to the floor, straight up and down. So if you are holding your shoulders in exactly the same place 
it's going to be a straight line. The, the thing people overlook is the fact that we're not lying in a linear path. We're not lying with our torso straight and our arms straight up and down. We're angling our chest and therefore we're angling the position of our shoulders. So the bar is going to travel relative to where your shoulders are in space. And therefore passing a notion of a blanket bar path in terms of pushing back or pushing up or J or whatever should be relative to your shoulders, should be relative to the movement of your shoulders. So if your shoulders are slipping out of position when you push up, now relatively they're elevated, so they've gone up towards your head, therefore your lockout point at the top, like the end of the movement, is going to be slightly further back than your lockout point when you started, and therefore the bar is going to travel back. People look at that in reverse though, they look at other people benching, they go, their, their bar path is this, therefore my bar path should be that really we don't need to overcomplicate it that much yeah to, to, at the end of all of that really you're gonna you know think about pushing up and maybe slightly back in a slightly diagonal line because most people are going to lose their shoulders to some degree however all i'm trying to get across is like don't labor on these like blanket um blanket sort of pieces of advice that might not be relevant to you focus well, and- more on what you're doing it's because, and we've talked about this before, it's it's that level of understanding of the mechanics of the movement where you're trying to arbitrarily uh, change your movement patterns to make them look different mm-hmm. without actually understanding the mechanics that causes the changes in those positions and those the, the way it looks, exactly. which then you end up in this position where you are putting a blanket statement across... Uh, something that shouldn't have a blanket statement beyond an understanding of the mechanics themselves. Mm. Um, Do you have anything in terms of like, other than coaching it to, Hey, like just don't lose your shoulders on the way up. Do you have like specific drills or exercises that you like to incorporate to help people understand that? Yeah. So this, this is an interesting thing. Like last week we spoke about selecting accessories. And one thing I was talking about is like breaking down the system. And when we were talking, we were using the example of uh, squats um, and, and breaking down the system in that fashion. Bench press is kind of unique in that sense, because when we start to break down the system, really we're looking at like pressing muscles. We're going straight into like strengthening areas rather than strengthening positions. Because when you go to then uh, what's what's a breakdown in the system beyond bench variations, well, it's going to be something like dumbbell press. And you're yeah. not going to think, okay, let's arch, let's get our leg drive, let's set our shoulders in a dumbbell press. In fact, you probably don't want to think that way because you want to uh, utilize the fact that it's now an unstable movement um, and now that there's an element of control and stuff. The benefit that we've got with bench press is that we can handle much higher volumes. So we've yeah. got more time to spend just doing bench to work on this stuff. So in terms of problem solving it within the movement, it's really 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 with the movement because it is so specific to that movement in terms of like drills and things like that um, and this is something you can you can practice this is one thing i teach everyone before they get on the bench so um, one thing in my system is if if part of a movement is a complex system in itself cues won't work so like if you come to see me for bench press and i'm explaining to you let's go shoulders back and down chest out and hold that the whole time that's all well and good but until you feel what that actually looks, uh, feel what that should be, it's going to be really hard for you to implement that into the system. So I'd rather teach you that with a drill and then just say, feel that, do that while you're doing the movement. Um, so my drill for this is going to be like, hold your arms straight out in front of you, pull your shoulders back. Now pull them down like you're tucking a book under your arms. Now stick your chest out. 
okay that's step one relax do that all in one go now you've got the feeling of shoulders back and down chest out which is the position of your shoulders uh, that they should be in while you're doing your bench that's not enough feeling that doing that is fucking easy especially when you're standing up without a bar in your hand yeah from here i get someone to take a band in their hands and perform a band pull apart while they're holding that shoulders back and down position the whole time all the way to their chest but beyond that point as far back as their shoulders will allow them to go because you're not just coming to the level where your shoulders are in line with your chest you're coming beyond that uh, but the key at this point is not to just pull the band apart because again that's fucking easy that's natural movement of your shoulders is to hold that squeeze that position of your shoulders while you're going through an eccentric movement with the band now you get the feeling of holding your shoulders the entire time i know that was kind of convoluted and long when you doing it in front of someone and you yeah, explain yeah no, it i i completely understand what you're talking about i can visualize the whole process as well um probably a more it- sorry probably a more common one is to do exactly the same thing but rather than doing a band pull apart looping a band around a broomstick and holding yep. a broomstick and like rowing it back to your chest sorry you yeah i was so i was gonna say in a almost exactly the same vein i've uh quite enjoyed using like a bench row like a lying horizontally reaching down underneath you kind of a bench row um to not just teach people what that position should feel like with some weight in their hands so they can actually create that tension but also to help them understand how to hold that while those muscles are being pulled away from those positions like i Mm -hmm. find that weight helps people sometimes who lack the understanding of or the the ability to make the connection as they're creating pr- uh, power from the other end for their their pressing muscles, they then lack the coordination to be able to hold that position and create power at the same time. I find the bench row is a really useful way to help them understand what that should feel like and then be able to hold it on the descent. Mm. I do the same thing by in the same position adding like a pause in the top position of a bench row so you are pausing on your chest uh we've got a like a cambered uh straight bar that i like using for that because it it accounts for the you know the couple of inches that is the bench itself and so you can actually pull it right up into that position and really focus on squeezing there and understanding what being tight in that position actually feels like in a way that for some people i find is a little bit more natural than it is in a bench press because they're getting the feedback from all of those muscles in terms of what that tension should be Mm. Uh, so I found that both useful as like a warm up cueing exercise, but also from a slightly more like work capacity strength end of things as well. I quite like hammering people on a lot of that because again, you can do quite a lot of it, and it, it has, in my experience, a, a relatively direct correlation between the two feelings for people, which is really useful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, and uh, I'm really glad that you mentioned the the cambered thing because a bench row is a fantastic exercise, but if you dig yourself into the hole of getting really good at it uh but you've got this you know maybe three to four inch gap because you've got a pad and then a piece of metal that the pad's resting on you're selling yourself short with the range so if you've got access to a cambered bar or like a chest supported t-bar row where you can really completely extend your shoulders and get them as far back as possible and this this carries on from what we were talking about last week with accessories as well um this is now going to be a style of rowing where you're going to be humbled by the weight that you can use because mm-hmm. you're focusing on the way that you move but it's going to be so much more relevant to how you use your shoulders and this is the really fucking cool thing about powerlifting or about squat bench deadlift as conduits to strength training and powerlifting is that the way that you use your shoulders in a bench 
is exactly the same sort of demand that you're going to need for squat to get your arms behind the bar and to set your your shoulders in the right position and for deadlifts so like doing the row in that specific manner is not specific to bench it's specific to the way that we should be using our shoulders across the board the cool thing there is then you get better at it while you bench the better you get at it while you bench the better you get at it while you squat and while you deadlift and all of a sudden now you're doing a third of the work to fix an issue that'll hamper you across the board yeah uh, makes it really really uh cool and um, that's the thing that i think we touched on briefly last week is the the intent behind how you're doing these sort of things like mm. i could tell you to just do bench rows but until you make the connection and especially with the bench and backs people are like oh big backs build big benches all of those sort of things like yeah Fucked. you're not wrong there is a correlation between people with fucking huge backs and their ability to bench a lot but it's not a one-for-one causation thing because you can't just do a lot of rowing and expect it to carry over perfectly, especially because it's it's the opposite movement, right? You're pulling instead of pushing. But when done well with the correct intent, an exercise like that can be super useful across the board. Hmm. Yeah, the big backs, big bench thing is just... It's it's a stupid correlation. That would be like looking at you know someone with a big bench drive to the car uh, drive to the gym in a '95 Toyota Corolla and being like, well, if I want a big bench, I need a '95 Toyota Corolla. It's like you're looking at the wrong thing. It doesn't yeah. doesn't make a great deal of sense. No. Um, all right, quick fire push pull ratio. Go. Thoughts. So like three or four years ago, I would have said, yeah, cool. Like let's just do heaps of rowing because it'll cancel out all the pressing we're doing through exposure to people like Jamie uh, from Strength Culture and a better understanding of the mechanics of the shoulder, uh, I now understand that it's not actually just as important as people like to think it is because it doesn't like a lot of these sort of mantra-like things. It doesn't actually address the whole picture. Mm -hmm. In fact, Um, it it, it can completely miss the picture. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So yeah, I'm, I'm much more a proponent of full range of motion through the shoulder which is a reaching motion as well as a pulling motion it's that whole range both vertically and horizontally uh that's how you can address things like imbalances in the way your shoulder moves and the function of it just jumping straight into the like do heaps of back work because that'll balance things is uh redundant and antiquated way of looking at things yeah it's it's the dumbest thing in powerlifting that has uh hideously carried over from like the the old school is that again just like oh yeah upper back's weak do more upper back work it's not about uh overall upper back weakness it's more positional weakness and therefore if it's positional thing it's more about the quality of how you perform that back work not the total amount and not the total of weight shifted uh that doesn't make a a a great deal of sense yeah exactly um well good i'm i'm glad uh I'm glad we got that out of the way. What about uh, breathing and bracing? Do you labor that point very much when it comes to benching? Yeah, more so initially starting with just an understanding of how the position of your feet and the intent that you're driving through your lower half can affect the stability. I'm more concerned about that initially than I am about your ability to breathe because you can brace really perfectly but if your feet are dancing around every time you get heavy well then it doesn't matter how fucking good you are at bracing your torso your hips are still unstable which means the whole system's 
out of whack. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think there's a, there's always an element of how you breathe and how you brace in in all of what we do. It's perhaps not as maybe not as important in a bench press as it is in a squat or a deadlift because we're not directly loading that system but Mm. it definitely plays a role in your ability to stabilize what is inherently quite an unnatural movement because of the way you're set up on the bench and the fact that the the weight is free moving in space while your feet are so far from where the weight is Mm. yeah yeah yeah, i I guess my perspective is going to be slightly different um i i 100 agree with you that you know, a, an amazing brace is probably not going to be um, completely life-changing if your feet are shit, mm. for sure. Um, I think uh, the notion that um, that it's not as important as a squat or a deadlift is interesting uh, because I probably agree with that to a, a degree. I would say the role that it's playing is very different, though. So yeah, that, um, that's probably a more accurate description of what I'm actually thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's it's going to be a real fundamental part of like if you're breathing bracing is shit on a squat or deadlift, you might be at at some serious risk of doing damage somewhere. Yeah, the risk if the bracing is not correct or not complete on bench is probably a little bit lower. I look at it more from a power perspective, and this is one interesting thing about bench because it doesn't get spoken about very much in powerlifting despite its importance, but it gets really, really labored uh, in other sports that involve bringing the arm across the body. So you look at any sort of sport that involves throwing, you look at football, you look at baseball, you look at shot put, javelin, all that sort of stuff. And this idea of like, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar, you'll definitely be familiar, John, the idea of like proximal st- stiffness creates distal power. The yeah. idea of fixing one end of a muscle, so the other end of the muscle and the joint that it's acting on is now going to be more powerful is really, really important when it comes to bench press. You think when you breathe and brace, you're essentially locking in your rib cage and sternum, which in regular times is pliable, we can move around. Yeah. Um, and so therefore the, all the power generated by the pec is not going to be at risk of getting lost by pliability or instability through that uh, uh, through that sort of central system and can then be directed to the shoulder. Um, again, that's gonna be a, a big role and an important role, but probably less uh, important than its function when you're actually loading. The yeah. other big thing with, with correct bracing, when you correctly brace, um, I think we've spoken about bracing a bunch of times, but it's the process of exhaling against a blocked airway. So when you engage the process of exhaling, you get some cool things happen like uh, scapular depression. Where's that important? Well, bench press. If you're bracing on the inhale, like one one really common issue that you'll see is people take a huge breath to unrack the bar and when they breathe in, they go... Their shoulders lift way up, their chest expands, they get really big, and now their shoulders are in a really shitty position to bench in. When you brace, you do the opposite of all that and lock yourself into position. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Brace, breathing bracing is important, but like John was saying, let's um, let's get these feet right. What, do you, what are sort of the fundamentals that you teach around what to do with legs and feet? And so what's going I, on there? I don't really ever teach like a foot up position uh, like a heel up position at the moment i for the vast majority of people if they come to me and they are benching toes up sorry heels up i don't mind i'm not necessarily going to coach them out of it Mm -hmm. unless it's affecting their ability to actually stabilize 
their hips and and lower body because i think that's what a lot of people get wrong with foot position is they assume that having their foot closer to their ass in how tucked the their foot is under the bench has a one foot one correlation with improving your tightness and the ability to stabilize things and i don't think that's always true i think some people are and i was certainly guilty of it and i it was only when i started bench pressing in a shirt that I realized that my toes up, you know, huge lumbar extension moment just wasn't going to work because I was fucking super unstable. As soon as I had mm. that super maximal load, that side to side movement became really evident. Uh, the way I describe like leg drive in a bench, uh, again, used to be more like, hey, when you get to your chest, drive with your legs. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't do that <laughs> anymore. Uh, I now sort of teacher and frame it as this like hey this is the stability part this is the base building of your bench press if you can get your feet and hips stable then you have that to leverage off uh to help you maintain your upper back position but then also create that power um so it should be relatively stable throughout you like it should just be tight from the get-go you should be engaged through your legs from the moment you start thinking about unracking it i describe it to people as um it's like sitting in an office chair trying to push yourself backwards you're mm-hmm. trying to like drive down into the floor and through the front of your shoes because that's what's going to help you engage your legs in a way that doesn't just mean you lift your ass off the bench mm-hmm. yeah cool 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 i'm really glad you brought up that point about like uh using used to teach that whole heaving and driving off the chest yeah it was we, fucking super dumb well <laughs> we all dumb. did that we yeah. all did that right um yeah the the in a perfect in a perfect stable strong system the only things that you should see moving are the things that are directly moving the weight and in a bench exactly. press, there's only two things that we should see moving which is shoulders and elbows yep. nothing else should be moving so if there's a great deal of movement through legs and feet and heels and bums and torsos then we know that there's looseness in the system and any looseness is an opportunity for power to leak into escape it just doesn't make any sense um uh, it's really interesting the fact that you uh, primarily teach flat-footed. Um, I think uh, overall that flat-footed is far easier to grasp the concept of using your leg drive in. Yeah, in which bench is why I start there. And then if people naturally want like want to experiment with being on their toes, I'm happy to let them play with it as long as they understand the principle flat-footed, so that then you can transfer it over to having your heels up yeah i yeah, don't know that's that's really interesting i tend to go the opposite so i tend to acknowledge that it's easier with flat feet uh spend time teaching uh up on your toes if you're fresh to it like if you're not corrupted by federations just yet um and then <laughs> un- unless there's like some uh mobility issues or something yeah. like that one um with with the kind of uh with the kind of logic of if you can master it up on your toes you definitely can master it with the flat feet either yeah. either approach is going to be totally fine um for me personally i do most of my benching flat footed and then when i think about getting serious about competition i'll switch um and and create a little bit more uh arch and, and leg drive just by getting my feet back there a little bit more um but the way that you described leg drive should hopefully, um, you know, connect with a few people in the sense that our, our goal with leg drive uh, is not to be thinking about feet and what feet are doing. It's that idea of like what you described as pushing a chair back. You're trying to push your hips back. That's what leg drive is. It's hip extension. It's trying to push your hips back towards your shoulders. Um, what that's going to do is, is a couple of things. A, it's going to uh, transfer that power through the natural curvature of your spine down into the bench. That's how leg drive essentially 
potentially works if we're talking about creating power. Um, it works on the principle of, I think it's uh, the second Newtonian law, like force down, force up kind of relationship. A equal um, and opposite reaction. Yeah, the, so the, the secondary function or, or another function, I don't know if I'd say it's secondary, is in doing that, you're gonna drive your chest up higher yeah, you're going to shorten that lever, um, which is going to, you know, be advantageous in terms of moving moving more weight and putting your shoulders into a safer and stronger position. Uh, for some people, the advantage of that is going to be far greater than the advantage of the power through the legs themselves. And it's always interesting to uh, rationalize the difference between the two, because like think of a, a really uh, a small, flexible female that can get into a ridiculous arch they're not getting a great deal out of their legs, but they're getting no. a great deal of benefit just from Short that sort range. of, yeah, that mechanical advantage or that structural advantage, I say. Um, whereas someone bigger with less fe flexibility can really slam their legs down and drive hard through their legs. They get mm. a bit more of a mechanical advantage. It's, uh, yeah, always interesting to see the difference between the two. But what John sort of hammered home there, the idea of using your legs to use your hips to make sure that you're actually connecting your legs to the bar, not just pushing and losing that power by your bum flying up in the air um, is going to be probably the most uh, important part of uh, leg drive. Yeah, that's it, man. I think if you can if you can get that right and understand that it's not that you're trying to lift the weight with your legs, but you're creating a stable platform to use what you have to lift the weights, then it makes a bit more sense to people. I think the the problem with the term leg drive is it's often construed as like, yeah, if I engage my legs, that will help me lift the weight directly. It's not a direct relationship. It's about creating a stable platform to express the strength that your pecs and triceps have mm, exactly i think it's a nice place to end it like i i sort of yeah, had man. the idea that we might get into talking about programming and weaknesses and stuff like that but really kind of spent the whole time speaking about that but that's yeah cool. and i and i think if we want to go down that road we can do another episode next week mm. perhaps discussing programming for bench and the like go from there for sure sounds good sweet tell your friends buy some coffee Yep, download it heaps so we get to 100,000. We're so close. We're like a couple of Yeah, it was like away. 96 and a bit mm. this morning. So, yeah, sick. Send us ideas for a 1,000 download. 100,000 download 100, episode. Yeah. We're just going to get Thomas really drunk. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talk Goodbye. to you guys next time.